In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Bravo Docket. Today, we're going to discuss the recent order that came out in Tom Girardi's competency hearing. Uh, I got it wrong. <laughs> he was found competent to stand trial. So let's do a review of all that and get right into it. You didn't get it wrong. I, I got mean, it a you... little wrong. Oh, I think I think that's totally fair. I think if anyone had watched just the part of the trial that you watched and had seen him only in person in that circumstance, they would have had the same reaction you did. The judge sat and listened to the full three days of testimony, had heard multiple or arguments, had had, you know what I mean? You didn't get it wrong. You observed what was presented to you on the day that you were there. And I wouldn't say that that's... Yeah, wrong. to be fair, he still has something going on mentally, which is what I said. Yeah, I just didn't yeah. get that he would be found competent to stand trial. Obviously, you guys know the court found him to be competent to stand trial, but that doesn't mean that he has zero memory issues or zero dementia. think that he has some, but not to the point to where he doesn't understand what he's... The court and the order says that there's credible evidence to show that he's exaggerating some of the memory issues that he does have in a way that's convenient for him. Yeah. And to be fair, I didn't realize that you could be in mental decline and still be found competent like that was i mean it makes sense but all right let's get in okay so just a little introduction on january 5th 2024 the which was actually a couple days earlier but they didn't release the opinion until the fifth the federal judge in girardi's criminal case found that girardi is competent to stand trial after an extensive three-day court hearing of which as we've talked about sessi observed one day of and the court after reviewing the briefing testimony and detailed expert reports from both sides found that Girardi is competent to stand trial. If you haven't listened to our previous episodes on competency, definitely go back and do that now. It's a two-part series called Competency, What Does It Mean? And we released those in October 2023. Ceci talks about actually witnessing some of this. She went to the federal courthouse, braved LA traffic, she put in some great time for y'all, and we thank you for your sacrifice. She got to see Girardi's defense experts put on testimony, and she saw him in person at the hearing. And 
I think those episodes are great because in addition to Ceci's personal knowledge and all the other stuff we normally talk about, we go into the constitutional law, the procedure for competency hearings, and we even talk about historical cases, including the case of Vincent the Chin Gigante, who is a famous mobster who faked being incompetent for decades. So this is all in the federal criminal case in California, but he's also facing one in Illinois. They were kind of waiting to see what would happen in terms of competency here. So I'm going to guess that they're going to have a trial in Illinois as well. Anyway, so this one that we're dealing with here in California, he was indicted on five counts of wire fraud in violation of 18 U.S.C. 1343. And he was accused in this specific one of defrauding five clients by means of material and fraudulent pretenses, representations, and promises in the concealment of material facts that he, as their attorney, had to to disclose. So he unlawfully paid, failed to pay clients, victims, and certain settlement funds received by the law firm. Instead, he used that money to pay off, allegedly, an American Express credit card and payroll and even pocketed some of the money himself. He had the obligation to distribute the client settlement funds that he got for them and failed to do so, according to the indictment here. I mean, he's still in the bankruptcy. We have many episodes going through the bankruptcy, but it's like there's so much going on that I feel like there could be a whole podcast just on the Girardi bankruptcies. He has one in his personal capacity and the law firm has one as well. I think he still has a civil case in San Francisco. Erica is involved in the bankruptcies. I believe she's been named in that San Francisco case as well and has some other cases going on as well. So there's a lot going on. This is just one of many and we'll keep our finger on all of them. So when's the trial? The trial date is set for May 21st, 2024. I think his defense counsel was trying to get it set for later than that. And the court said, nope, we're going to trial this year. The preface, we have a long timeline to go through. And what we did is we took the timeline that was from this incredibly detailed and well-written, almost 50-page order that, that federal court put out. And then we went in and added in some of the stuff from the show and the stuff involving Erica and wove that into the timeline. So we went through the court's order and then, of course, added in our interesting Real Housewives tidbits to it. This is just the date that he was arraigned and pled not guilty in this criminal case. So on February 6, 2023, Girardi was arraigned and he entered a plea of not guilty and was released on bond. And then shortly thereafter, on March 13, 2023, Girardi's defense counsel sought an order for a mental competency evaluation of Girardi, which the court granted. And then on August 17, 2023, Girardi, through his counsel, filed the present motion seeking an order finding him incompetent to stand trial due to limited cognitive functioning as the result of dementia. So this is what we've talked about the previous episodes was the briefing, the stuff that we could see that wasn't redacted or filed under seal, and the proceeding that says he was able to watch a part of, and now this is the court's order. But before we do that, just a quick refresher, since we're going to be talking about this so much, how competency is defined. And this is how the court outlined it in their order. I just want to add that he was also put into a conservatorship, and we talk about that a lot in the prior episode, too. So while this was happening, he was placed into a conservatorship. So that was another reason I was like, 
you know, maybe something's going on well, here. But. The court talks about that in the order. So I'm curious to get your reaction on that, because the federal court specifically points out some of the things that it found to be less than compelling about the state proceedings. Mm-hmm. That actually goes into this order, because rightly, his defense counsel said, look, he's already been put in a conservatorship in state court. Right. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. The court discusses that in this order. Okay. So just, again, we talk about this more in our previous episodes, but just a refresher. The due process clause of the Fifth Amendment demands that a mentally incompetent person not be tried in a criminal case. There's multiple Supreme Court cases dating all the way back a long, long time ago that lay that out in addition to what's found in our Constitution. 1769 is the earliest. Yeah. (laughs) Our Supreme Court has explained that the foundational underpinnings of this requirement are that competence to stand trial is rudimentary, for upon it depends the main part of those rights deemed essential to a fair trial, including the right to effective assistance of counsel and the rights to summon, to confront, and to cross-examine witnesses and the right to testify on one's own behalf or to remain silent without penalty for doing so. And The court goes into the fact that this right dates back to at least the American colonial period where it finds its roots in English common law, which is anyone that's been to law school probably has terrible flashbacks to having to learn some English common law. Having to go back to the English common law is like, oh, my God. Yeah. So now there's a statute for what mental ink is, and it says that an accused may not be tried. So this is the defendant may not be tried if he is presently suffering from a mental disease or defect rendering him mentally incompetent to the extent that he is unable to understand the nature and consequences of the proceedings against him or to assist properly in his defense. We talk about this a lot in that prior episode, too, about why we think he might not be able to assist his counsel and vice versa. A district court, like the federal district court that we're in right now, cannot find Girardi competent merely because he is oriented to time and place and has some recollection of events. And the court notes that competence consists of more than merely passively observing the proceedings. It requires the mental ability to see, hear, and digest the evidence and the ability to communicate with counsel and helping to prepare an effective defense. So the test the court was looking at in writing this order and then coming to its rulings and evaluating all the evidence before it was to see whether or not Girardi has the sufficient present ability to consult with his lawyer with a reasonable degree of rational understanding and whether he has a rational as well as factual understanding of the proceedings against him. And the court goes on to say that a simple understanding of the surface facts of the legal proceedings is not adequate to meet a standard of possessing a rational and factual understanding of the proceedings. So, To put that in plain language, the court is going out of its way to point out that it's not just enough that somebody can repeat what they're accused of and that they understand what day it is and where they are. They have to actually be able to be mentally present enough and have the ability to participate in their own defense and to genuinely understand what's going on. Think about how much the court is saying he's faking things and they've determined that he's faking things. When you think about this standard that we're talking about, they're saying he can actively participate in his own defense. And then just to add him actively participating doesn't mean he he testifies. He likely will not be testifying in this case. I mean, I wouldn't put him up 
as a witness and you have the right not to self-incriminate. So nevertheless, the pre- this is the part that, you know, I, I don't know the law in this. I'm learning it as we go. This isn't my area of expertise. So this is the part that I didn't fully appreciate going in to understanding competency, but it says, nevertheless, the presence of a mental deficiency does not necessarily render a defendant incompetent to stand trial. Circuit courts have upheld the competency findings of district courts, notwithstanding a defendant's low intelligence, including scores within the range of developmental disability. I'm going to interject right here because some of this I don't agree with. There have been courts that have found criminal defendants mentally competent to stand trial when they had extreme developmental and mental disabilities. And it doesn't always happen, but there have been particularly state courts that have done that. Florida, I'm looking at you. Texas, not the best track record on that either. And that's for capital offenses. This is this is a federal. I know. Someone in the bottom one percentile of IQ. Come on. No, I don't agree with that at all. I know. I don't agree with that. And I think Girardi is even by that standard, much well above the range. But the court really went out of their way here to take their time evaluating everything because they obviously knew that this would be looked at very closely. But yeah. Yeah. Those two cases, though, are Eighth Circuit and Second Circuit. So that's not even Ninth Circuit. Yeah. So they went outside of Ninth Circuit. Oh, hi. Sorry. Hi, buddy. They went outside of the Ninth Circuit. Do you see his little head? I do. (laughs) They went outside of the Ninth Circuit to find cases where they're like, well, even if you're at the bottom one percentile, you're still competent. That's wild. Anyway. That is not the standard. This court, you'll see when we go through it, they were very careful about their findings here and setting out all of the reasons for them. And it was pretty fascinating Mm -hmm. to read. Also, a really well-written opinion. I mean, she was excellent. Yeah. And her clerks. For sure, the clerks. Yeah, the clerks. Good job. (laughs) Yes. We know how much work y'all do. So just another quick little refresher. Again, we talked about this more in our previous episodes, but the procedure for determining competency. So again, that's set out by statute, and it can be done on the court's own motion. And then the court orders a hearing as to the defendant's competency where there's reasonable cause to believe that the defendant may be presently suffering from a mental disease or defect, as we've talked about. And then the court can also order psychiatric or other examinations. And here that was done. And then at the hearing, the defendant has to be represented by counsel and given the opportunity to present evidence and all of that. So then after the hearing, the court applies the preponderance of the evidence standard, which is, we've talked about before, a lot lower. This is not beyond a reasonable doubt. This is more likely than not. So the court found it more likely than not to determine whether or not the defendant is competent to stand trial. And that's a question of fact. So the court is making a factual determination, and typically that's left to a jury. But here the judge decides. So the court, as you'll see, looked at all of the evidence from the fact witnesses to the experts to everything else that was presented in oral arguments or whether through testimony and determined that more likely than not, Girardi is competent. So let's talk about Ceci. Girardi's arguments. I'm fine to be Girardi (laughs) since all things considered. Okay, so he argued that his cognitive decline became apparent in 2017 when, after an auto accident where he was driving in Pasadena and it was snowing, it doesn't say that. I'm just kidding. (laughs) There was an MRI done and it revealed that there was moderate brain volume loss and the presence of white matter lesions. He asserted thereafter around 2019 to 2020. Individuals notice his continued decline and that by early 2021, 
Three neurologists agreed that Girardi was cognitively impaired due to Alzheimer's disease or dementia. He asserts that it was this cognitive decline that caused his brother to initiate conservatorship proceedings in probate court on January 19, 2021, and that caused his family to later place him in assisted living. He asserts that he has drastically declined since then and cannot perform basic self-care. And by the way, when we say he or Girardi, again, we're, we mean his, his counsel is arguing this. I'm sure he had a little bit of input, but I think there was some confusion. I posted something on Instagram and I was like, Girardi gets to defend himself in, at trial. And people were like, he's, he doesn't have counsel. And I'm like, wait, no. No, yeah. yeah. We're used to talking about that as attorneys yeah. when we say the party's name. And there are some specific statements that Girardi did make mm-hmm. to the psychologists and experts, and we'll try to make sure to point that out when it actually is Girardi. But otherwise, when we're saying it, we mean his defense counsel made the motion or right. made the argument. Right. So then his expert, Dr. Wood, diagnosed Girardi with major neurocognitive disorder, not specified. Girardi argues that he is unable to recall and or retain case-specific information and is therefore unable to assist counsel in his defense of this case. Defense counsel believes that Girardi is incompetent to stand trial. So that's a really good, succinct summary of the arguments that Girardi's counsel made. To me, when I was reading the court's order on this and hearing how Girardi's defense counsel laid out their arguments, beginning with that 2017 auto accident, it was just really striking to me thinking about Erica bringing that up on the show mm-hmm. and the way that she yeah. told the story because it was the way that defense counsel tells it is almost exactly the story Erica told on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills when this first came out. Right. And it's just. Right. I think exactly. everyone was like, why are we talking about this right now? There was never yeah. any mention between when did she come on the show? Like 2016. I don't think there was any mention of it even when she was on the show. No. I mean, we talked about that. And yeah, I'm you guys listen to our past episodes. Ceci and I have gone over that in the timelines in detail in some of our past episodes on this. And no one talked about it. Nobody brought it up. And then all of a sudden, this stuff comes out. Erica files for divorce. And she's like, and then he was in a car accident in 2017. And, you know, he was never the same since then. It's, wait a minute. That doesn't... Mm-hmm. You were offering to have him represent Denise in a custody dispute after that. But now you're saying... right. He was cognitive decline. So, yeah, we'll talk more about that later. The The court did bring up multiple times where Girardi's third wife, meaning Erica, was mentioned by Girardi. So we'll, we'll make sure that we talk about all of that. So the government and the government's the one that bears the burden of proof as to Girardi's mental competency to stand trial because the government is the one bringing the charges. So the government maintains that Girardi is exaggerating mild cognitive deficits in an attempt to thwart the present prosecution, namely that he is effectively feigning or exaggerating symptoms suggestive of mental incompetency, which is termed malingering by experts in their reports. The government contends that Girardi's feigning began when his decades-long scheme of defrauding his clients began to unravel as the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic drastically slowed the incoming cash flow to Girardi Keys. The first thing the court does is go through some of the evidence for Girardi's competency, and then they lay out some of the defense's arguments against the competency. And the court does a really excellent job of explaining why it relied upon certain evidence or found certain evidence credible and found certain evidence not credible. But what we're going to talk about right now is just the evidence for 
his competency and then also the evidence that the defense presented that he was not competent. Ceci, let's start with what the um, government had to say about the 2017 motor vehicle accident. Well, they said it was not snowing in Pasadena. I'm just kidding. Okay, so it says, <laughs> on July 30th, 2017, Girardi was involved in a motor vehicle accident. Specifically, he was brought to the emergency room by ambulance in the early morning hours after a late night crash. As a result of the 2017 accident, Girardi suffered orthopedic injuries and blunt force head trauma. The ankle. Do you remember? Yeah, the ankle. The ankle. <laughs> orthopedic injuries. Oh. Anyway. Oh, and Mauricio, yeah. yeah. The MRI. I'm the sorry, time, that was funny. It that was, was funny. It was funny. But obviously, they did an MRI, so it wasn't totally accurate. Anyway. So the MRI at the time reflected no acute findings, but noted moderate volume loss, not following a particular pattern. According to the contemporaneous medical records of Dr. Joseph Pachorek, Girardi's longtime primary care physician, Girardi suffered a concussion. Within days of the accident, Dr. Pachorek also noted a resolution of memory impairment other than amnesia for the accident itself. The government's pointing this out because Girardi's defense attorneys are saying that his cognitive decline really started in 2017 after this accident. And the government is saying, no, look, he had the A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Accident, but none of the stuff about fraud or misappropriating client funds had come out yet. And his doctor at the time said that his memory, other than for the actual accident itself, came back. So literally a resolution of memory impairment. So that's why the government is pointing that out now. Okay, the next thing is the 2019 fall, which Erica also brought up on the show. So he fell and struck his head requiring stitches. The medical records from Dr. Pachorek, again, his physical examination indicate that neurologically Girardi had imbalance and mild fine tremors. His exam also reflected that Girardi's memory was normal, 
and he was not forgetful and that he had no memory loss. He also had normal insight, normal judgment, normal attention span, and concentration. Dr. Petorik recommended further consultation with a neurologist, but this did not occur until 2021 in connection with legal proceedings. So again, that's a big deal because the government is saying if this was real and this didn't just conveniently come up when he's trying to avoid legal charges or responsibility for these terrible things he's accused of, then there would be in 2017 and 2019 reports from the doctors saying we're noticing cognitive decline. But here, neither one of these medical reports are saying that. They're saying, yeah, there's some some tremors. He had some memory loss. He doesn't remember the accident happening, but it literally says his memory is good, his memory is normal, and that he's not forgetful, and that he has no memory loss. So that's why the government is pointing this out. Okay, the next thing the government points out are the 2020 communications from Girardi to his clients, co-counsel, and employees. So, Ceci, what did the government point out? So while the court does not have before it all the legal work Girardi performed during 2020, it did receive the following exhibits reflecting some of his work and communications. On May 14, 2020, Girardi wrote a letter to his client regarding, quote, Lion Air distribution of settlement stating that Boeing had given, quote, special authorization to distribute 50 percent and offering reassurance that he was fairly confident the balance would be done within 30 days. So that is a lie. That is a lie. Just <laughs> That is a lie. He didn't have to get permission from Boeing of when to distribute the settlement money. Boeing paid the settlement money and he could he was supposed to distribute it right away. Anyway, on June. 19- yeah, it's a big lie. A huge That's lie. like a bold yeah. face lie. Yeah. Yeah. On June 19, 2020, Girardi authored a similar letter to another Lion Air client saying, quote, there were serious issues and that he had been back east four times to get everything resolved. Really? That he thought he needed an additional two weeks and it would at minimum insist that interest be paid within two weeks. Do we really think he went back east? Because that would be... Well, he definitely wasn't going to see Erica perform in Chicago. So I don't know. Maybe did back east is a California person think Chicago's back no, east? No, but I was wondering if he meant to where they were. No, you don't think this is. I think. I think. No, I think it's just all lies. Okay. On July thirty first, twenty twenty, Girardi authored a letter to another client, one in bankruptcy proceedings, stating, "We are trying desperately to get everything figured out, referencing working with a bankruptcy trustee to determine how much should go to the estate and how much should be distributed to her." On February 12, 2020, the bankruptcy court had entered an order specifying the amounts that were to be distributed among the various parties, including the recipient of the letter. The court brings up some other letters that he sent out. But I just want to point out, I gave a lot more credibility when I was weighing some of the arguments the government was making to the lack of contemporaneous medical records at the time showing cognitive decline from 2017 and 2019. With these, did he actually handwrite these out or is there proof that he sat down and typed them? Because a lot of times somebody that's a named partner in a firm like this would be dictating to, especially someone of Girardi's age, they still dictate to their secretaries or maybe he would tell someone to write it and then just sign it. I'm assuming that there was some sort of uh, argument or proven where that he actually authored these and didn't just sign them. Yeah. I just remember from the initial briefs, the defense was saying, well, you know, a lot of the times you have an associate drafted or whatever. So it was an argument that they made. Yeah. That. If they couldn't find the people to be like, oh, no, I'm the one that actually wrote that for him. No one, no one's coming to court to talk about that. <laughs> Let's be real. So there's several more. There's some from 
October 30, 2020, where he writes a memorandum to all attorneys. He notes that he's seen the allegations made in the Edelson versus Girardi case, which apparently Girardi characterizes as, quote, terrible. And he, the voicemails are clearly him. Like Girardi, December 27th, 2020, Girardi leaving voicemails for Jay Edelson, stating that he believed there had been a miscommunication and thought they were not supposed to distribute funds. So that's pretty bad as far as bad for Girardi. The next thing the government points out are the presentations from late September through November 2020 that Girardi was videotaped speaking on at least four occasions in October and November 2020, specifically two videotaped sessions of a judgment debtor examination of Girardi dated September 23rd, 2020, and then October 13th, 2020 showed Girardi testifying. And then October 6th, 2020, Girardi appeared as a guest on a one-hour podcast to discuss trial strategy. so Which I listened to. Oh, I was trying to find it because I was going to see if we could play maybe a, a clip or two of it. Yeah, I listened to it and we talked about it in the prior episode. Yeah, I just couldn't find it. I was trying to, I was trying to find it again and refresh my memory about it. He okay, just, so, I mean, he kind of just talks about like, you always have someone in the, in the courtroom that they don't know is part of your team to like check the jury and get their temperature. It was yeah. helpful information, so... No, it was good advice, actually. October 6, 2020, Girardi appears as a guest on this one-hour podcast to discuss trial strategy. And then November 3, 2020, Erica files for divorce. The court didn't bring this up. I'm bringing it up. Then November 10, 2020, Erica asked for spousal support. And then November 21, 2020, on behalf of Consumer Attorneys of California, Girardi moderates a 90-minute CLE, which is a continuing legal education that lawyers have to attend. So he moderated a 90-minute CLE panel discussion about plaintiff trial strategy. Woof. Yeah. Do you want to take over for a minute? On December 2nd, 2020, Girardi and Girardi Keys were sued by their Lion Air co-counsel Edison. He alleged that Girardi and Girardi Keys, we've talked about this one like so many times. Yeah. Go listen to our prior episodes on it. So that's when he was sued. Yeah, but that's also the big one that came out. And then that alerted the, uh, I think, pretty contemporaneously with the L.A. Times article that was talked about on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills when Erica was confronted with that. Mm-hmm. And that's also the, the lawsuit that really brought to the forefront Erica's alleged involvement, stating, quote, at the heart of this deception is Hardy and his need to fund outrageous lifestyles for himself and his soon-to-be ex-wife, Erica Jane. And the lawsuit claimed that, quote, to keep up their celebrity status, Tom and Erica must project a public image of obscene wealth at all times at whatever the cost. As a result, and most egregiously, Tom has resorted to embezzling the proceeds of settlements that should have been directed to his clients, end quote. I mean, this is basically like our prior episodes. Like, (laughs) they probably listened to our apps to get the whole timeline. So then, I just say we did give a pretty good timeline yeah. for the government in our previous episode. Then on Monday, December fourteenth, the district court, so in that Lion Air case, held a hearing on the matter, which Girardi attended by telephone along with his own separate counsel. During the hearing, Girardi Keese gave the following answer, so counsel for Girardi Keese, to the judge's questions about what happened that went off the rails for the four cases that Boeing had funded by wiring settlement funds to Girardi Keese. They answered, it's very, very difficult to say, Judge. Mr. Girardi is 81 years of age and has had issues regarding his mental competence. This representation by Girardi Keys counsel preceded any medical evidence that Girardi had experienced any memory issues. So I underline that because that's huge. Because again, if this man had suffered these things and had 
true mental decline, then logically, when he's going to the doctor and getting brain scans and having his memory checked after a car accident and then two years later after a fall, there's going to be some evidence, you would think, that he had cognitive decline. But here, this did not come up in any medical records, and it's being brought up for the first time when Girardi's counsel is being questioned by a federal judge in Chicago for stealing settlement funds, literally from orphans and widows. The Girardi's own counsel, again, stated to the federal judge in Chicago that Girardi was, quote, not able to understand the nature of the proceedings or provide useful information, end quote, which is exactly what you need to say to say that you're not competent to stand trial. The court the same day in Chicago held Girardi in contempt and froze Girardi and Girardi Keese's assets and entered judgment against them in the amount of $2 million. The Chicago judge was not having it, and good for him. And then the next day, the L.A. Superior Court judge issued a separate order to show cause as to why Girardi, quote, should not be reported to the California State Bar for misconduct and violation of the rules of professional conduct for withholding settlement funds. Then December, Girardi and Girardi Keese were both forced into involuntary bankruptcy proceedings. And again, we've got lots of past episodes on that, on those bankruptcy proceedings you can go back and listen to. Uh, then what happened next, Ceci? Yeah, so then January 19, 2021 is when they filed a petition to pr- appoint Girardi's brother, Robert, as his conservator. In connection with the conservatorship proceeding, Girardi was examined by various doctors in January through March 2021. He was examined by Eric S. Freschetti, a neuropsychiatrist, who diagnosed Girardi with a cognitive impairment of mild or moderate severity, perhaps as a result of Alzheimer's disease. Neurologist Aaron M. McMurray concurred, noting that Girardi suffered from dementia, perhaps brought on by Alzheimer's disease. Dr. Nathan E. Lavid, a neuropsychiatrist, performed a three-hour psychiatric evaluation, after which he concluded that Girardi had almost no short-term memory, stating in his declaration for the conservatorship proceeding that Girardi's dementia impairs his ability to understand the hearing. Deborah E. Budding, Ph.D., conducted a neuropsychological evaluation that included testing. Dr. Budding believed that Girardi's invalid-slash-inconsistent result on one test may have been the result of a combination of his vision troubles and the proximity of the score sheet bubbles on his particular portion of the testing. Ultimately, Budding opined that Girardi was not capable of assisting his attorney due to clearly impaired abilities to encode and absorb information and difficulty recalling information provided to him. January 19th, 2021. These things come out and he's just very recently had these evaluations. But then January 23rd, 2021, there was a break in at Girardi's Pasadena residence. Remember, Tom's house was broken into. Erica also brought this up. So Girardi was recorded by police officer body cameras after a break-in at his home on January 23rd, 2021. And in a follow-up interview about five days later, he was also recorded on police officer body cameras. In those videos, Girardi shows some trouble in recalling some names and details, but he is able to walk through the home with the officers, recount what he had seen, and convey details regarding the residence itself. It says, with effort, he was able to provide contact information of family members, attorneys, and his insistent by consulting a paper list. So what they saw in the video directly contradicts what some of these experts were saying, that he had absolutely no short-term memory and was, you know, 
suffering from apparently fairly severe dementia, according to those reports, to get him in the conservatorship. And he gets the conservator, like his brother becomes his conservator, February 1st, 2023. Mm -hmm. Then on July 14th, 2023, the trustee handling Gerardi Case's bankruptcy case filed court papers claiming that Erica Jane and her companies owed Girardi Keys $25 million, quote, none of the receivables owed by the Girardis, meaning Erica Jane, to the debtor, Girardi Keys law firm, have been repaid to the debtor and remained outstanding, end quote. Quote, plaintiff is informed and believes, plaintiff being the trustee, is informed and believes that on the basis alleged, that Erica has used her glamour and notoriety to continue to aid and abet in sham transactions that have occurred with respect to large transfers of assets from Girardi Keys to the Girardis. This was not brought up by the government. I'm just putting that in. in. Yeah. 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 This is something I put in just because it's, well, it's in the timeline. So just what the timeline is. Okay. So then July 31st, 2021, there's another fall. So see what happened there. So he fell again. The hospital report noted that Girardi gave a history indicating that his mother was alive when, in fact, she had died many years before. He also believed that someone from his then-defunct law firm brought him into the hospital when, in fact, he had been brought in by ambulance. A CT scan of his brain on July 31, 2021, showed no acute intracranial findings and also showed no acute volume loss and mild changes. On August 1st, 2021, Girardi is reported as having poor short-term memory, noted as, not, noted as not remembering the reason for his hospitalization, and of forgetting that he was not ready to be discharged after being told this repeatedly. This continued for at least the next two days. Girardi was unhappy with his treatment team's recommendation that he move to an assisted living facility. This recommendation was apparently implemented and Girardi moved into assisted living at Belmont Village. The government is pointing out that while he is displaying these symptoms, the objective findings from the CT scans don't really show what would substantiate that level of memory loss. Mm-hmm. Okay, other big thing the government points out is that there are no contemporaneous anecdotal reports like, for example, text messages, emails, letters of Girardi's alleged cognitive decline from 2017 through the end of 2020. And I underlined this because to me, this was huge as well, because if this was occurring organically or naturally, especially with the FBI, they've looked at everyone's text messages, they've gone through all the emails and everything, that there would have been messages saying, is Girardi okay? He's forgetting this stuff. I don't think he should go to court. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Maybe even his assistant texting somebody. Or sending an email saying, hey, Girardi's really not with it today. But they didn't find any of that. Mm -hmm. Because if they had it, you absolutely know his defense team would have been waving that around like mad. If I was on his defense team, I would have been like, look at all these text messages. This guy was Mm -hmm. toddling around and not remembering anything all the way back in, you know, 2019. But there's just nothing there. The government points out that the first of such reports... It's sort of the anecdotal reports were made to Girardi's lawyer or experts related to the conservatorship proceeding in 2021. And remember, the conservatorship proceeding didn't start until after he was already in deep, deep trouble. The Hmm. government's pointing this out to show the motive. It's just very convenient that suddenly he has cognitive decline when he is being sanctioned, being disbarred 
and the world is finding out that he's had this giant Ponzi scheme. One of the things they point out that I thought was interesting, during an interview with the FBI, Girardi's legal assistant recounted a social call to Girardi's residence in April 2021, during which Girardi filled her in on a burglary that occurred in the residence in January, the one we talked about. And the assistant's FBI interview at that time described a much milder cognitive picture than what was later said. You skipped the good one. Oh, but I, I, I felt like I missed it here. You talk about it because I was yeah. like, I'm missing something. Yeah, you skipped the good one when his assistant noted, well, I guess for the first time when everything went to hell, that from 2019 to 2020, Girardi at one point asked the identity of a woman in a picture with him. And it was Erica, <laughs> which maybe she looked different in that photo. I mean, if you look at the pictures of Erica from before her nose job and stuff, she actually looks a lot more like me. She has a very prominent nose and much more sort of dramatic features, I guess, if you want to put it that yeah. way. <laughs> because she used to have a very I mean, Italian nose like mine. She didn't get a head transplant like Larsa, but she looks <laughs> different. A consultant who had worked for Girardi Keys for a number of years was interviewed by a government expert. And the consultant reported that, quote, approximately six to nine months after the 2017 car accident, Girardi didn't have the same attention to detail or the same short-term memory. And that she noticed he'd say, hey, baby, to people instead of their names, people he should have known. But she said, I never saw him not recognize someone. And she said she didn't think he was any less sharp. And the consultant stated that Girardi had stolen her friend's money and that she confronted him about it when she last met Girardi in May 2019. She also noted that she observed him at the arraignment in the current matter and believed he recognized her. This consultant reported to Dr. Goldstein that she observed that Girardi appeared fragile in front of the cameras, but did not appear to need assistance once he reached the hallway, presumably out of sight of the media. Then his daughter was also interviewed by Dr. Goldstein. But the problem with the daughter is his daughter had been estranged from him for a number of years, but had reconciled with him in early 2021, probably after Erica's totally out of the picture. And when she did see him, she said she became concerned regarding his ability to live alone. The problem is she had been estranged from him for so long, she couldn't really compare how he had been right. to how he is now. So this is just the scratching of surface of this. We need to go into a lot of the stuff the defense brought up. There are tons of interesting notes from the court's order about the experts. And then to me, the most fascinating part is where the court goes through and says why it believed certain things or found certain things to be credible and while it found certain things to be not credible and how it weighed and balanced the evidence. So we'll go into all of that. Yeah. This is going to be multi-part, baby. Yeah. I mean, this is a great, really fascinating 50-page order. There's a lot going on here, and this is really, really interesting. All right. Until next time. Bye, everyone. Bye, legal team. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Bravo Docket is part of the Acast Creator Network. <laughs> 